All right, welcome to another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Demiso Josie alongside. Spencer's here. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. It's a wonderful Friday. It is a wonderful Friday, man. We just turning these podcasts out, man. We're all over the place. We're back in Pleasantville. Yes. And then, back home once again. Back home once again. This is foreign land to me, but I feel like family and the people here. We're adopt you. <laughs> Honorary member of Pleasantville. Can you give me a loan a car with a driver? So, um... <laughs> That's forty minute drive. I can uh, sleep in the back seat. Yeah, we're gonna work on that. And put that in the budget. Yeah, we're gonna work put on that, that in Absolutely. the budget. Uh, last time we had uh, on our podcast, we were talking about the state of education. I know we didn't hit all the topics, and we're gonna have a part B to that as well. But I just want your general impressions about that particular podcast and the things that we were talking about. Oh man, it, it was deep. Mm-hmm. It definitely was deep. So I, I think that. As long as um, Harvey and Darlene is going to be involved in education, uh, we still have a fighting chance. We mm. have a puncher's chance, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, some changes definitely have to be made. Um, we definitely need to have more inspirational and energetic people in mm. the classroom to be able to turn this thing around because our kids are hurting. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we are able to be able to meet all their needs in the academic setting. Mm. Um, but we definitely need some more people that be able to at least touch base and build relationships with them. Right. I'm a big visionary and I'm a big visual person. Yes. So, and, and I have these visions that come in my brain every once in a while. 90% of the time they come true. Okay. I, I see an empowerment perspective school coming sometime in the near cool. future. That's interesting. Because I'm, I'm meeting all these interesting educators and people, yes. not necessarily just educators in general, but these people that have great souls and great hearts that want to do great things okay. for people. Um, okay. So part of the, the business is getting these people together and making something happen. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know what that school looks like. It may not even be a school at the end, but I just see the people that we're coming across, us mm-hmm. getting together and, and really having a big impact um, on not only children, but just people in general. And, um, you know, getting people to live their dreams okay. and, and, and overcome some obstacles. So I don't know what it looks like. Well, it's just my vision. I'll say this. It sounds like one of my favorite cartoons when I was younger. It's called Voltron. Where everybody <laughs> just formed together. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, a whole bunch of individuals we formed together. We look like Voltron. Hmm. So I'm gonna let you take over this little Sorry. podcast because I know you got some special guests here, and um, um, yeah, we're gonna have, dig uh, into some great topics here. Oh, absolutely. I have two of my favorite people, and you know, when I come here, I feel like I'm. <laughs> honorary member I never officially joined <laughs> my house church but every time I come in it's like I'm an honorary member so I, I have father and son and, and they're like the dynamic duel so I, I have um, Pastor Raglan that's with us can we get a round of applause, applause. Right. welcome sir and, Thank and you. I have and I have Christian Raglan as well the son mm. who recently just like, what, what did you have recently you had, they told me you did something recently with the church or was it? You had completed a certain level of, and what's your you oh, right? pastor of operations. Pastor yeah. of operations. Let's make some noise for that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I guess I'm going to pose this question to you, Pastor Ryan, Um, and then we'll talk to the pastor of operations. So, what what is your why? Like when you go back to the day that you decided to, I want to say, take over a church and be a leader, be a shepherd. Tell us why. You could have done everything you want. You're a fly guy, too, so <laughs> That's a broad question, but yes, I'm going to try to narrow down the answer. Okay. Which saying that there is what we call a calling, mm. and so I believe that the calling is on your life from birth, that by design, God has slated you to be a pastor or leader or visionary leader in Christendom or in the faith community. And so that's what happens. 
but it is up to the individual who have accepted, heard the call to accentuate that call through learning and through seeking and through allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your heart to bring what God called you to do to fruition. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Have you ever second-guessed answering that call? Oh, of course. I think like with everything else, every other vocation profession you do. But there is a presence of God through the Holy Spirit that reassures you every day, every day that this is the call on your life and that you know confidently and inherently that you can't abandon that call because abandon that call means that somebody's going to be denied access Mm -hmm. to the knowledge of who God is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me ask you this question. Um, sure. Was this something that you you always wanted to do, or was this a process? Like, you know, you, you, you had the calling, and you kind of was wrestling with it, or was it just something that you was just passionate about from the beginning? You just knew that this is what you wanted to do. Well, I think early on you identify um, what your passions, your skill set, your ability to influence, and you start seeking out um, ways to channel what you've identified to be mm-hmm. a strength that is head and shoulders above others who are your peers. And so it is in that inquisitiveness or in that vein that God uh, intervenes and began to lead you to the safe passage of what he's called you to do. Mm. So I, interesting enough, I desired to be a principal as a kid. Principal <laughs> <laughs> of school. In education. I desired to be a principal. That was one of the hidden desires that I had, but never had a conversation as a child with anybody about it, but always had an admiration mm. for principals. That's interesting. Okay. That's really interesting. Let's dig into that. Let's stay there for a second because I'm an assistant principal, so I kind of want to know what was that that admiration? Like, why did you feel drawn to that particular uh, area? I I think because, one, the authority, and the number two, the influence, and how we were impacted by our principals at that time. So the way I saw our principals was that they stood in the gap. They supplemented. They made sure that the kids that were under the tutelage of teachers were developed the way they were supposed to. And then at that time, I came up in the 60s, 70s, 80s. So at that time, they were passionate about connecting with the children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. I got you. And then my grandmother would talk about how the principals during her days mm-hmm. would pray with the students and what the superintendents mm-hmm. at the time would do. Oh, wow. And so they had a relationship with the kids. And so I think that was cemented in my mind hearing those stories. I, that's interesting. I, I gave a speech about my life um, to my students, and, and I was going over values and, and, and the importance of your value system, and I struggled at one point because I said, I can't get too deep into this because we're in school, but God is at the center of my value system. Yes. But and I don't think they understood where I was coming from. And I felt that I felt the wrestling in me. Like I can't dive in there because of separation of church and state, but that's who I am. And that's what really, you know, the, the foundation of it is. And I think it's important for, for young people to hear that. And for young people to understand the value of having God at the center of your value system, because it drives your behaviors at the end it of does. the day. Um, but I run into this crossroads of, I feel like, on some level, God is telling me to tell these kids this, but, you know, the state's telling me I can't have this conversation. So I'm stuck in between this 
You know, would I do what I feel is right, or do I do what the state is telling me to do? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm I'm constantly wrestling in, in the conversations, and it's funny. Some some of the kids will latch on, and he's like, "You go to church, don't you?" Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Then one kid was like, uh, Josie's up there, like he's pastor. You know, he's up there." I was like, "No, that's not that's not." You take him to church, and work in school for a day. I'm not gonna go that far. Yeah, I definitely think God is just putting me in the right place um, right now um, as far as what my calling is. But I just found it interesting, um, just the parallels between, uh, you know, principalship and, and, you know, being the pastor of a church. So. Now, just to piggyback on, on what I see is because I have opportunity to talk to kids on, on different levels. So I can discuss, you know, rather not if they fellowship and where they fellowship mm-hmm. in, in different religions. I, I find that majority of students will try to hide mm. and act as if they are not Christians as if it's a bad thing mm. but when I see those that follow the Islamic faith they're very bold and brash about who they're following mm. when I see those that are are with the, the Hindu faith then they're very bold like they stand out and they're not afraid to be who they are but I see like some of the my Christian students they, they try to hide and try to be something that they're not or even start clicking with people that they normally wouldn't click with I think some of that is the difference between the communities and the school. Mm. Um, so I'm going to talk specifically about the African-American community because that's what I know. In our community, it, it, we've created a situation where it's a us versus them, okay. us versus the system. So I'm not going to let you in on who I am because, one, I have to gain, you have to gain respect and I have to trust you and be able to do that. Okay. And that's one of the things I've wrestled with as well is like, we well, need to make that connection so that they feel like the school is a part of their community truly mm-hmm. and they can truly be themselves. But mm-hmm. when you go to school, you're getting, I call it, I redisciplining the culture out of these kids. Yes. You know, and then I don't feel comfortable. So I'm mm-hmm. not, of course, I, I, have to, I have to be somebody that I'm really not. You know what I'm saying? To kind of protect myself. So I think we're not getting a lot of those conversations and openness, not Mm -hmm. necessarily because they're ashamed of their religion or anything, but it's more of I don't necessarily trust the system. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a big thing that we definitely need to to address. Okay. But I want to bring Christian into the conversation. So, sir, what what is your why? Because you had an opportunity because, you know, I talked to your dad and I consider both of you guys personal friends of mine. You could have done anything that you wanted to do. Decided to come back here. <laughs> you were out of state, far, far away from South Jersey, yeah. and you came back. Well, closer to Ohio than you were <laughs> in South Jersey. Well, first, thank you for having me. And, and just real quick on the yes, the faith thing, I think also when you t- kids are ashamed or seem ashamed when they're talking, when we're talking about Christianity per se, is because anytime there is an attack on faith, the only faith that comes up is Christianity. Mm-hmm. You remove the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. You take prayer out of school. Mm-hmm. You can't say God in the Pledge of Allegiance, right? And yes. some of these things that are, are correlated to Christian values. So if it seems like my faith is the only one that's attacked, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it. But where in Islam, it's right now they're in a stage where they are in having the ability. I think, you know, I was watching uh, South Park, right? Okay. And when they, I think something happened. I think the creators of South Park did something disrespectful to the prophet uh, Elijah, mm-hmm. they got all up in yeah, arms, and South Park yep. put him in place, yep. and said, "Okay, so there was a. Uh, if I was a Muslim, I would be like, man, that's my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't let nobody say anything about us, mm-hmm. right? But when it comes to sometimes Christianity, I feel like there's such a 
um, a fallback mode when people say anything about Christianity in the schools, anything like that. And so I think our kids have adopted that. Mm. We got to hide. Passive. We got to be passive aggressive with it. So that's just I, my point. But that's no neither near uh, correct or wrong. But mm-hmm. I think my why. Well, first and foremost, Dr. Henry Louis Gates from Harvard said something in a documentary. Um, uh, a few years ago, he went to a prison, and there was a prisoner. He went to go talk to some prisoners, and he went to this one prisoner, and he asked him plainly, why are you in jail? Mm. And the African-American brother said, listen, if I would have grew up in a suburban neighborhood and I saw a fireman, I saw a police officer, if I saw a mm-hmm. lawyer, and you would have asked me what I wanted to be when I grow- had grown up, I would have told you what I saw. Mm-hmm. But I grew up in a neighborhood where I didn't see any of those things, and it makes perfect sense why I'm here, because what I saw is the direct correlation to why I'm here. And, um, and so for me, and he said, if we don't teach or we don't encourage our people to come back home after they go away to school, or not even just school, been exposed to something, mm-hmm. okay. we'll always have a community that's deficient. Mm-hmm. And so I always want to, first and foremost, I just like South Jersey. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I'm on the, fall, uh, the smaller end of that. I like South Jersey. Yes, you're in the minority. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely in the minority. Because even your dad wants to leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I think there's great potential here, actually. But I think also, of, from a ministry standpoint, I wanted to come back and help. Because I also, I kind of look at, and this may be controversial, but I like Ronald Reagan. Um, Black Republic. Listen, no, no, no. I didn't say that. See, that's what. Ha- that's the problem with these podcasts. <laughs> you didn't let me finish. I like Ronald Reagan's thought on being a great communicator. Okay. And why he was elected. Now, while everybody else was Ivy League guys that were running for president, here's a guy who's just an actor. So one thing he knew how to do was communicate simplistically what he wanted to get across, and people loved him. Hmm. Okay. Right. And so I think when in ministry and with the changing tides of. Uh, faith and ministry, I'd said I would like to come back and be a great communicator of simplicity of what Jesus really said. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of times people uh, overcomplicate things and we lose people. Mm. Um, We lose a lot of people, whether generations or anything like that. Um, And it's so funny, we were talking about, me and my dad were talking about this a little earlier, uh, and recently before, I even think about the the generation gaps, Mm. right? And so I had a conversation with somebody in work in Atlantic here. We talked about mm-hmm. just generations. And I said, it's so interesting how mil- I didn't know I was a millennial until people told me how bad I was, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, you know, but the problem is it's not that we're millennials and everybody says, oh, they're this, that, and the third. We're the generation that in fifth grade, they told us that we wasn't going to have no social security, mm-hmm. wasn't going to have no pension, because by the time we get to that age, we ain't going to have nothing. So what that think, what I think happened was it sparked this, this ingenuity in us and where you see entrepreneurs, right? Okay. Now you hear, so people get offended when they hear 35-year-olds say, I want to retire by 36 mm-hmm. or 37. That's because we have no choice because mm-hmm. okay. of what we were told in fifth or sixth grade. Right. That was okay. there's not going to be nothing there. So I think you have a millennial population and a generation. Uh, was it Z that's coming behind us? Right. That's going to be worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be. They have this mentality of I gotta be aggressive, right? And so I, to tie that back in, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I I can communicate and and draw all together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so why I came back was I wanted to help in ministry. The only ministry I knew was Lighthouse, and I said, how can I help and take these skills, sets, these degrees that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and use them, you know, to help our communities. And mm. the greatest resource a community can have is a, a flour, flourishing and efficient church mm. or ministry. Oh, wow. Okay. So now the next question that I, that I have for you guys, again, we, we try to make sure that we give you guys a platform because this platform was really created to, to really, so, I want to say highlight those that don't really get a highlight. 
be able to honor those that are working in the community and doing things and empowering them to continue to do things because we take notice in what they do. Now, here at Lighthouse Church, like, what are some of the programs that you guys have? And we'll, we'll get back to some of the questions I have. What programs do you guys have currently? Well, we have uh, men's empowerment, youth empowerment. Uh, we have uh, women's empowerment. We have... Uh, uh, we have all types of things we do. Like, for example, on March 2nd, we have Restoring Solidarity, where we are, uh, where we have asked families to bring one bag of um, non perishables and we'll be mm-hmm. taking up an offering okay. to give to the community food bank. Mm-hmm. We have uh, men's empowerment conferences. We have as many things that we can provide them to empower them, uh, the people that come to the door, mm-hmm. so that we teach them how to assimilate. In not into a church uh, building or not just into a religious atmosphere, but into the kingdom of God. Jesus spent most mm-hmm. of his time talking about the kingdom. Yes. I, I want to just kind of, if I can just digress for a second, to talk about culture. Because the difference in why Christian kids seem to be um, afraid to be bold about what they believe. I, I think the difference is culture. Mm. It, it's culture. Samuel Chan, who used to be the president of uh, Bueller. Uh, seminary in Atlanta wrote cultures about the heart and the head and then it shapes what we do with our hands okay. so the buzzword around the country is culture and so when you mention other religions mm-hmm. their community is not necessarily immersed in religiality lastly they steeped in culture okay they have stores mm-hmm. they have things that relate to culture and so Christians or those who kids that are Christian don't see us in a real popular way. Mm-hmm. So because like Christian was saying, it's like we're always being attacked. Mm-hmm. And then it's like we're always we're taking down. Mm-hmm. We're always taking it down. We're the most accommodating of all religions. Mm-hmm. We seem to be the most passive of all religions mm-hmm. because our model has been to love and not hate. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to have a conversation about what God said when it's okay to hate, that there's a time to hate. There are some things that you should despise. Not hate okay. people, mm-hmm. obviously, okay. right. but there are behaviors mm-hmm. that you should despise for the good of the kingdom of God. And so mm-hmm. in addition to the Sunday morning service, in addition to the Wednesday that we have, there is a plethora, there is a plurality of things that we do to empower people. The vision here mm-hmm. is to articulate the unconditional love of God through education, through economic, through spiritual and social empowerment. So we do all, everything we do is under those four categories, social, economic, educational, and spiritual. Okay. So we bring in as much as we can to empower the people to meet them at their point of need. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. So, so this conversation about culture, and I guess we can even start talking about the finances. So what can we do? Because we're, all about just talking about problems at times. Like, what can we do? You know, so I'm, I'm a Christian man, so what can I actually do in order to get this message out that we need to spend more energy towards making sure that we have the culture of Christianity and not just, um, I guess, preach the gospel all the time, but create a culture. So what can we do? If African-American businesses are down 60% since 1960, mm-hmm. um, we have to create multiple streams of income for the Christian community so that we can do more things that don't uh, that would afford us the opportunity to build things that are going to build the people where wherein they um, 
are not taxed financially. Because hmm. that's where the challenge is, mm-hmm. is that, and, and I am, because I'm very passionate about that, is mm-hmm. not browbeating the people for money every Sunday above what they are capable of giving, mm-hmm. but making sure that we are building things or doing things that are going to afford us the opportunity to bless the people or empower the people without mm-hmm. asking for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. So just speaking back on the, the finance, and I know that in my averages may not be correct, but they say many times that a, a dollar that's, that's spent, let's say like in a Jewish community, community may go around at least once, twice, maybe even three times before it leaves the community. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the, the Christian culture and community, are we actually making sure that we're spending our money with those that believe as we believe? Well, we're not, because as soon as we see a path toward getting out of our community, mm-hmm. we move out. Hmm. So now let's say we do move out. Are we making sure that when we're moving out, that the expenses that it's going to take to move out is actually headed in the direction of those that, because we're still talking about the culture and the faith. Are we spending money with those that believe as we believe? So that the dollar will continue to go around, because when we're again we're talking about the the Jewish dollar, it will stay in that community once, maybe twice, or three cycles. So one dollar will go around probably three, four, eight. What do you think? I think part of the the issue when we speak uh, about a certain community, some some of those communities have different resources than us. So those, okay. those so let's just take since we we brought up the Jewish community, they might have. Um, companies that I have to go to for, a, a, you know, my livelihood. So let's just mm-hmm. say, for example, they own an internet company. Everybody needs mm-hmm. to have Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I have to pay, you know, I've had to pay, you know, somebody that's in my community because uh, they have access to that. When we look at the African-American community, we don't own those type of businesses. So we now in this game of I have to I have to live Mm-hmm. Or do I do what I think is right? So I'm, I'm, I'm concerned with, you know, I want to feed the community and, and, and sustain the community, but you're not giving me the resources that I need to, to survive. So I have to go to X, okay. Y, Z. And you know, that's why I don't think right. you're seeing this money stay in the community right. because mm-hmm. now I have this decision to make. I got to eat. Mm-hmm. I got to feed my kids. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I got to pay Verizon. I got to pay these mm-hmm. other people. I would love to be able to pay, you know, the people that were in our communities, but we just don't have, you said 60% of the businesses are... Mm-hmm. Down. downgrade and mm-hmm. and that's kind of the the spirit of what this empowerment perspective thing is doing is mm-hmm. trying to get you uh the people in the communities understand that you can create something yes and, and that's sustainable here mm-hmm. so that people can start spending their dollars yes. in that community but until we get to that level i mean there's where, where am i going to go i gotta eat i gotta mm-hmm. go to the supermarket right. i right. gotta do these things right. so my dollars are going to go else else right because if 20 percent 20 26 percent of what we earn yearly goes to a supermarket, and that supermarket is not in our town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That money circulating through mm-hmm. that other yes, absolutely, and none of that money is coming back to the community. Mm-mm. So mm-hmm. we have to build while we are in this space of creating and encouraging entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. We've got to make sure that they are creating businesses in our community, mm-hmm. absolutely sustainable businesses in our community, and we have to support one of the things that proprietors are saying is that we're not supporting each other. Mm-mm. We are not supporting each other. Mm-hmm. No. Because our prices are a tad bit higher than those outside the community, and we'd rather save five cents mm-hmm. than to help that corner store stay alive. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Absolutely. That's interesting. I mean, in my, my neighborhood, I try to, to spend my dollars in their neighborhood. I mean, yeah. but at the end of the day, there it's not it's only so many resources that are there. So, you know, I will support the local businesses. I will try to do things for them. But like I said, if I have to go get my big ticket items or whatever, the majority mm-hmm. of my money is going to go outside mm-hmm. of the community. And part of the problem, at least within my community, the people in it don't really think it's possible. Mm. I mean, uh, we talk about a why mm-hmm. all the time. If the community doesn't have a why and don't know what the why is, don't know how important it is to keep your dollars in the community, mm. they're not. Even if I'm intelligent enough to create a business, I'm going to go over here and do it. You right. know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, it's about we're in a capitalistic society, so you got a winner and a loser. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, I got to win. Mm-hmm. My community ain't going to help me win, so mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and make it over there. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a whole educational process that needs to take mm-hmm. place, but it all starts to me with that why and that reason. So, right. I think we should compile the list of things that we know that we need mm-hmm. so that we don't continue to go outside mm-hmm. of our community seeking out those things that we don't have in our community. So, okay. one of the things I teach is al- is is alchemism. Okay. So, okay, so an alchemist... All right, is one who believes you can take what you have to produce what you need. Mm. Yes. So we get to the table and we compile a list of things that we need for the mm-hmm. next ten to fifteen years. Yes. And we raise kids. Mm-hmm. We raise kids to be able to provide that. Mm. Okay. So when they go off to school, they know exactly what they're going off to school and what the end goal is. And mm. the end goal is not be able to pay for a big ninety-inch television. It is to be able to come back to the community and meet the community at the point of their need. Mm. So now, now here's my, my next question is speaking to about the kids because I'm really passionate about kids and, and youth development. So why do you think kids go to church? Kids, by and large, are in church because of their parents. That's the only reason. Yes. Until, until they can make a conscious decision to accept Christ into their life and that they can live the life that their parents live. But mm-hmm. if the parents don't model a holistic view of who Christ is, they only look at it as a religion. Mm-hmm. And religion is just a means to an end. Mm-hmm. So we try to teach beyond that relationship, that Christ is interested in every facet, every tier, every rung of our lives. Mm-hmm. So let me ask this, because going back to what we were talking about with, with kids being passive, do you think part of the reason that they're being passive because they're not truly believing and why they're doing, why they go to church on Sunday. Yeah, and they don't see how advantageous it is to retain the Word of God. If mm-hmm. they could make a connection with the counsel of God's Word mm-hmm. with success in mm-hmm. their adult lives, yes. then they would value yes. the Christian community. Okay, so everything now is coming full circle because now we're talking about the values being centered the same way you said earlier, mm-hmm. was that your values were centered pretty much on... Of faith, mm. and now we have kids, and we had just identified that most of the kids are not connected to a value system, and this is why they may be mm. passive, and this is why they may not truly be fully invested. Or once they have skin in the game, because right. they don't have a why. I mean, yeah, the why, and I think the way to get to kids is to understand it first and foremost. You need to have a why. Yes, you know, don't even discuss what that why is. But mm-hmm. we're we're dealing with kids on a daily basis yes. who have no rhyme or reason why they wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. why they go to school because somebody's telling me I have to go to school. Mm-hmm. But until we real get them to understand that you have to have a why mm-hmm. and that's going to motivate you and make you make the right decisions, mm-hmm. I don't even know if we can have the in depth conversation about the importance of church 
because they're not going to hear it because they don't understand that why, that, that yes. definition of that why. So, you know, yes. I think the work that we're doing on the school level, mm-hmm. and, you know, Kareem, I hear you say it all the time, and you know you hear me say it mm-hmm. all the time, like, Absolutely. what's your why? What's Absolutely. your why? Like, we're drilling it in their head, you know, what's your why? Because at some point, and I'll just, you know, my own personal thing is, I, there was times in my life, and there's still times in my life where I'll, I'll try to go out there and just live life the way that I think mm-hmm. it is, and it's, it's always messy. Yes. And so I reground myself yes, back in, into the word and, and, and into God. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, now my my relationship with my wife is better. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids are happy. There's a happiness. There's a calmness mm-hmm. in, in it. But then when I step outside of that, outside of that, then mm-hmm. it's it's chaos. Yes. It's chaos. But yes. in order to get kids into that, that, that zone, mm-hmm. I think they just need to have a reason of why they do anything. And they absolutely. don't even know. They get in the fights and stuff. They don't know why they're fighting. Mm-hmm. You yes. know what I mean? I mean, we're talking absolutely. about very fundamental. Yes, why, why were you fighting? I'm um, not sure why we were fighting. Well, well, you know, I think that why, when he talks about mm-hmm. why, then the word that comes into my mind that's very popular in the faith community is purpose. Yes. Mm. Is yes. purpose. Absolutely. Is purpose. Mm-hmm. Yes. One very profound person said, if you don't know your purpose, abuse is inevitable. Absolutely. So, and we are yes. abusing ourselves mm-hmm. because we don't know our purpose. Mm-hmm. And so the question begs: What is purpose? Mm-hmm. Purpose is the original intent of a thing. Absolutely. So, whatever the original intent of God is, mm-hmm. is that what we need to be articulating to our kids that that it is not about religion mm-hmm. more than it's about understanding your purpose. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Understanding, yeah. mm-hmm. identifying your purpose, mm-hmm. that and when you identify, here's what's going to benefit you. When you identify your purpose, you can go anywhere on this globe, yes. mm-hmm. and be valued, because yes. you value your purpose. Yes. So go ahead. I, I, yeah, I just gave a speech today, and part of it is um, identifying your gift, mm-hmm. and the same to me, it's the same, the same thing. And I said, you know, every, we were everyone's born with a gift. God is giving you a gift. Absolutely. You know, we, we, right now they're young. You're you need to be on that path of discovering what that gift is. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Well, how do I know what that gift is?" And I said, "God's going to tell you because I didn't say God because we were in school, but I said you're going to find out because that thing is going to be so easy to you that it comes mm-hmm. second nature. Absolutely, you. you don't have to think about it. It doesn't feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I told him, you know, I fought my gift for so long. I went work for ABC, ESPN, mm-hmm. and people were like, "Why you leave that all the time?" I said, "Because I didn't. It didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. It don't feel right. Me talking mm-hmm. to young people, I can do that in my sleep. Absolutely. I told teachers." All the time, I didn't never wrote a lesson plan. I would just drive to school and be like, "This is where I'm going to teach." And I'm like, "God is telling me, telling me this." And then yes. I'm in a in a space now where the vehicle is is is, is irrelevant. So I can do a podcast mm-hmm. without writing stuff. I can go teach people and have just speak mm-hmm. in front of all these people. And people mm-hmm. ask me all the time, like, "Why are you you doing podcasts? You're running mm-hmm. businesses. You're running nonprofit." I said, "To me, it's all the same thing. Absolutely, it's just a different car I'm driving right Absolutely. now." Absolutely. So Absolutely. getting young people to understand what that giving everybody giving people to understand what your gift is is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And then once you get it and you can start living in it and, and using it in the right ways, the next step, especially yeah. for these young people. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I think that. And what I'm hearing from from everyone is that we may have to start training parents how to talk to their kids, mm. because the disconnect is not so much as what Pastor and, and Christian is doing on Wednesdays and Sundays or any other day, is more so what happens when they leave, mm-hmm. and now that door shut, mm. and now you have to have a conversation, and you don't know what to say to your kid, and your mm. kid's looking at you like, "What should I say to you?" Mm. So the real disconnect could be that parents don't know how to talk to their kids. Well, it's contentment, too, yes, because I, I think it's so interesting hearing. Because when I, when I went to college, mm-hmm. the most popular people were the saved people oh, because wow. they had the freedom because okay. it was an encounter. Yeah, they had their own encounter. 
um, there was no fear of separation of stir- uh, church and state. Okay. So you could be on the gospel choir and singing in the middle of the street if you wanted to. Nobody's going to call the cops because that's wow. your, your right, right? Okay. But the other thing is, too, I was thinking about this. Let's say from the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, and let's say even the 90s, we as a people weren't where we wanted to be. And mm-hmm. so church... And faith was heavily needed mm-hmm. in our community because because I, I we talk about this all the time. Like even if you do services on a Friday night or a Wednesday night, maybe in the nineties, in the eighties, seventies, people would come because there was in our community we needed. It. We were mm-hmm. just released from legal segregation, mm-hmm. okay. And so we had something to fight for. I think what happened is when we got to two thousand, we started seeing more. Not just two thousand, but once black specific specifically started to make it. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing the kids that you're seeing now are of the generation where their parents got good jobs. Mm. There's no need for them to pray as often, mm. probably. There's no hunger. There's no because they have it right. They're content, mm. you know. And I think about even the parents of kids today. These are, they don't force the kids to come to church. Right. They don't force the kids to come to Sunday school. Right. Why? Because there's no need. We don't have nothing that's really pushing us. Right. But I remember growing up seeing people in church with their kids right. because they really wanted something. They were in desperation. Right. So mm. you go back. You can go back further to times of enslavement. So you had the, the enslaved people. Mm-hmm. That's all they had. That's well, all they had because they were in such a in a, tra- a traumatic state. So mm-hmm. they that that was the only thing that they had. And then now you're getting to a point, like you said, where you, they feel like there's no real trauma on that level. Yeah. Like, you know, but let something go wrong. Where do they right, go? That's what I was about to say. Right. So the minute that something happens, they're gonna go right back it, to back to that church. Mm-hmm. Again. It's just now it's less frequent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that we we people should use faith on the, in their convenience, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I just honestly think that we're really seeing a real generational uh, trend trend up where mm-hmm. people are a little bit more smarter. They're gonna mm-hmm. find way. Like I said earlier, you know, I, I'm impressed. We were sharing a story with a 23 year old. I was thinking mm-hmm. that's making good money. I didn't know she was 23, mm-hmm. but that's what you're seeing more young people who got the game already, okay. who know what they're doing. So they don't. They think they don't need God, right? Mm-hmm. They think they don't need faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's what you're contending with. But I, I wanted to bring that up when I was in college. I felt like that was a place for me personally where I felt like, wow, I'm really developing my own relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it around people who look like me, sound like me. They're athletes. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're uh, D1 scholarship, mm-hmm. football players, basketball mm-hmm. players. You have people, all types of people. But the one thing we all had in common is we, we all was working on our personal relationship with Christ. Right. And we were doing it with boldness because there was no fear of anybody mm-hmm. saying that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I, I, I'm gonna get a little personal here because um, I have uh, I go to New Covenant Church um, out in uh, Turnersville, and uh, Pastor Robbins. I, I talked to him uh, quite frequently, and I, I told him I said I'm in this space here where I feel like God is telling me to do all these wonderful things, and I don't go to church as often as I can because you know either I'm writing a paper, I'm getting my doctorate too, so I'm doing all these things. And, you know, doing the podcast and doing the nonprofit things. And I felt like, you know, and at the same time, I feel like God is telling me to go to, you know, come to church and to and to do those things. So I'm struggling personally of one, uh, you know, doing what I feel that God is telling me to do Mm -hmm. and doing what, you know, the church is telling me to do. But then the added pressure on top of it is. I'm the I'm the, I'm a husband. I'm a father. Mm-hmm. I got to take care of the, the house and things of that nature. And I, I kind of look at it as you know I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm out there living as as close to the words I think I can uh, get to. But if I have this burning desire to to do these things and to reach these people, on some hand I, I feel a little guilty that I'm not there every every Sunday and out there worshiping every Sunday. So I guess talk about how to strike that balance between what you feel God is calling you to do versus 
you know, what I guess what my, the church is, is, is asking you to do? Well, I think you have to find a balance in how you prioritize, mm-hmm. you know, how you prioritize, what, what's more important to you. Now, as a pastor, I've been pastor almost 20 years, I've been preaching almost 30 years, okay? And so the narrative of my life is that God's carried me for 32 years, all right? Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking for help, always looking for mm-hmm. foot soldiers, always looking for people that will support. And while we're in this very, very, very difficult season of getting people to buy into the vision of ministry and fellowship and constant or consistent uh, fellowship and 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 it's difficult to get men sometimes, you know, mm. get men to see that their presence is important mm. because there are boys that are coming, being brought mm. by their parents mm. that need to see the model of who they are actually trying to become. Mm. So I would say while you are busy and doing all the things that you are doing, that to pray about getting there on Sunday or whatever day that your uh, assembly meets because it's important to see it. So now let me say this. So now having raised um, kids, been married almost 30 years, and so trying to encapsulate everything I know and what I want to say in this podcast is very difficult, <laughs> but exasperated by the fact that I eat, that uh, Kareem bought subs with meat on and I don't eat meat, and so I may be a little hungry too. So, so, but this is important. This is very, very important and for you to hear this is that uh, my wife often says to me, or have said one time that it really was impactful, she said, Kevin, do the men know how important it is for them to show up at church? Mm. And I said, I tell them all the time that it's important. It's very important for men mm-hmm. to show up. David Blankenhorn wrote a book called Fatherless America, and he said the absence of men is a psychological disinvestment. Mm. So whenever men don't show up, mm-hmm. it, it's in actuality it's a disinvestment because a child is looking for the after. They're in mm. the before, mm. but they're looking for the after. They're looking to learn how it is that we cope, how do we find mm-hmm. resolve, how do we stay in the center of what we're being taught. So mm-hmm. Solomon says, he says 28 and 27, he says, where there's no vision, where there's yes. no redemptive revelation the people perish, they yes. forfeit their opportunity to be what they've been summoned, besieged, and called in order to be. Mm-hmm. So when you don't show up, mm-hmm. when you don't show up, you don't show up. Mm-hmm. So this brings me to the discussion that we had the other day when you came in my office and you said that uh, I'll let you speak on it because it's something that you want to do. So you might as well go ahead and put it out there for for the five listeners that we do have. Go ahead and put it out there what it is that, that you want to do. I don't know what you're referring, referring to. Okay, you want to do a retreat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, go, ahead, yeah. go ahead and put it out there. I guess, again, I'm, I'm a visionary and every once mm-hmm. in a while, and it comes when I'm driving. So I'm having these conversations with people and they talk about... Um, uh, either their son did this or they, they their son did that or, you know, this I need you to help this young boy, this young boy. And then I'm looking at fathers and it's coming from some of it's coming from fathers and, and men. And I was just like, something's just telling me to do this men father son retreat thing. So I went in the office and, mm-hmm. and talked to Kareem about it. And was like, I said, I, I just feel like I'm being called to, to, to put this thing together every Mm-hmm. I literally had like five conversations with people, random people, about something around that topic, and I was like, "We got to I said, "We got to do something." I said, "I don't know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we're gonna get this thing done, but I just feel like taking some of these young men mm-hmm. out of this 
neighborhood or out of the neighborhood that they're in. You in? Doing something okay. completely different. Of course. Okay. We're hiking. We're fishing. Doing something. I'm not hiking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're doing something different. I'm gonna watch everything. Watch. I'm a security guard. Watch everything. <laughs> and having a and, and you know there's workshops and things of that yes. nature that's going go go down. Um, but and then I reflected back to when I was a kid. Like my family never ever thought about going on a vacation. Mm-hmm. Never had any money. Glassboro was it. That was the world. Like there was nothing else outside of Glassboro. <laughs> so then when I got older, my brother he travels all over the world and um he had an opportunity, he took me to Greece. And I came back, I was like, why do I live in America? Like <laughs> I, I just don't understand it. Like these beautiful structures and everything mm-hmm. are up there. And I said, the wildest thing is you know, we didn't even think outside of, of you know, Glassboro, you know, and I didn't want yes. that for my kids. Uh-huh. So I was like, how many kids really have that experience of like, you know, there's a bigger world out there, but they just think that this is it. Like Pleasantville mm-hmm. is it. Like Egg Harbor Township, this is it. Yes. And, and it's the center it's, of the universe. You take the globe, you can't even see it on the globe. Yes, like you know, the, the tiny, yes. tiny dot. So then that's where the, the spirit of it. And I started thinking, I was like, yeah, I, I got to be able to expose these kids and mm-hmm. take them, you know, somewhere and just have that father-son conversation, mm-hmm. you know, the men conversation, understanding what a role of a man should be. Because mm-hmm. uh, especially at a young early age, I just yelled at a bunch of kids in middle school about it and mm-hmm. how they treat women and, mm-hmm. and things. And I said, that, that conversation is so important. So we're going to put it on this podcast. We're going to work something out. Absolutely. We're going to get these young men doing Are, are, are you in? Oh, I have I'm no really idea. Yeah. Listen, no. Every time he comes up, you say, uh, hey, Kareem, what do you think about You know what? Let's do it. I don't... <laughs> Make it happen. We Two weeks ago, we did a comp, men's conference and the theme, I the theme is manhood, brotherhood, and fatherhood. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Manhood. Um, brotherhood and fatherhood. Okay. And I corralled six other pastors from the area. I said, this is something we need to do. Mm-hmm. And so we did it Friday night, had a wonderful attendance, and then Saturday we did a breakfast, and we talked about manhood, fatherhood, and brotherhood, and the men were so stimulated by it, they wanted part two to this because they don't, one, many of them don't understand fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Certainly don't understand manhood. Mm-hmm. And so brotherhood is something that follows uh, when you understand fatherhood and manhood. You can't have brotherhood, which means we don't really have a good, healthy camaraderie with our men in church because Mm -hmm. many of the men that come don't understand manhood. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they're struggling with fatherhood. Mm -hmm. So how can I love you? How can I embrace you? How can I value you mm-hmm. when I really don't understand the value of who I am as a man? Wow. And as a matter of fact, truth be told, I wouldn't be here if my wife didn't nag me to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So it sounds like we need definitely have another discussion on it. I think we can make it happen. Um, and that's interesting because it, it all just really seems to be falling into place. So... There's a reason for everything. Man. It is. There's a it reason is. why we met. There's a reason Absolutely. why I went in that office that day. I had that Absolutely. conversation. There's a reason for these things. And I just, you know, hope our listeners understand that, mm-hmm. you know, what we're trying to do here and, you know, they find a space to jump on board with some of these things. There's Absolutely. Old, uh, you know, there's room for you. Um, we just want to do great things for not just our local communities, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, one of my idols is Eric Thomas, the, the hip hop uh, yes. speaker. <laughs> and he says, uh, I, I shouldn't say idols. I should, yeah, I just wanted to be why, you know, I, I study. Um, he said he wants to, to win the Nobel Peace Prize. And I said, I'm going to beat him to it. 
Oh wow! Okay, that, that's, that's my that, that's my goal right now. He's a lot uh-huh. ahead of me right now because I'm just getting started in this thing. But only has one more listener than what we have. That's, we have. That's, so that's we have, it. So that's we'll, it. We'll, we'll catch up. We hear that sponsor. We'll catch up. So okay, so let's let's go on the lighter side of things. Now, now Christian had to run out before we can get his. But now, when you have a rough day, hmm, here we go. What is, what is it that pastor's listening to? What's in your playlist? Who are you, who are you listening to? Well, you know what. Interesting enough, I've never been a music person. Like, never really been. He just had somebody who just person. said, "Get in the okay. car, and read." Books. Okay, right, I know, but <laughs> but but I, but here recently, here okay. recently, I've been listening to um, Daryl Coley, who has recently passed. Mm, okay, but I was never a music person. Mm. I was a person who always ran the streets. Okay. My grandma, I ran so much that my grandmother gave me inshore at 15 <laughs> years old. <laughs> I am an anomaly. I just went to the doctors and they said, you are an anomaly. Mm. Ordinarily, we would say to people who have the kind of numbers you have, lose mm. weight, but we're telling you to eat. Absolutely. We need mm. you to eat. So, mm. so um, though I've been pastoring for nearly 20 years, I'm, I'm not one who's just really passionate about music. I'm not mm. a, no, I'm not. I'm really mm. not. So, but I like Daryl Coley. Okay. All right. So what do you do to release? These tough days when you I exercise. Exercise. No. Are are you a marathon runner? No. No. (laughs) I I exercise. I find solace in exercising, praying, Mm. um, fasting. I've been doing for over thirty years on and off. uh, Praying over thirty something years Mm. on and off every day. Um, So I find solace and a respite in exercising. Mm. And looking at any deficient part of my body and giving time and resources toward mm-hmm. building it so that the preoccupation of doing that mm-hmm. sort of helps me deal with what I'm contending with. Wow. Mm. Okay. Now, now, where are your views at on meditation? Because I've recently um, I've been told yeah, that meditation probably... is no, no, the scripture admonishes us to meditate, that we mm-hmm. have elongated thought mm-hmm. on the counsel of what? One psalmist, uh, well, actually Solomon says, um, where there is no counsel, purposes are disappointed. Mm-hmm. But in the models of counsel, there is safety, safety for the purposes of God. And so meditation simply is segregating your thought um, for a specific purpose. Okay. And so now all the chanting and all of the Eastern mannerisms mm-hmm. of of uh, meditation uh, are being sort of uh, looked at and revisited now. Mm-hmm. But meditation is what we're encouraged to do. Mm. Okay. All right, that's interesting. Yeah, because I have to find different ways to be able to uh, relax my mind because, <laughs> like, like my partner, the thoughts never stop. They don't stop. And I don't have enough time in the day to try to do everything that I want to do. Mm-mm. So then I have to take days off from actually doing nothing <laughs> just so that I can recoup and yep. build up the energy to go through Monday through Friday. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I just did the same thing on Wednesday. I said, I, I, you know what? That's I, where the idea came from. I said, that's a good idea. I think I, I'm a, yeah. you, know, you know what I did? I went and did laundry. My wash, did, my wash machine broke. I said, I need to do a mindless activity so my mm-hmm. brain will stop working. Mm-hmm. I go to the gym 4.30 every morning. I work, work my tail off and then I'm... My job is so stressful during the day. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I go home and deal with family things. And finally, everyone goes to sleep. I watch sports because that's just my guilty mm-hmm. pleasure mm-hmm. to watch some sports. But even then, my mind is racing. Wow. I'm up like clockwork, 222 every morning, just staring at the wall thinking, oh, let me. All right. mm-hmm. I don't write it down. And I'm like, I got to go tell Kareem this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need some counseling. <laughs> so, I, just, I, got a, I got a phone call for you, Pastor. Can, can you hear? You. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's here. He's he's listening to you. Oh, how you doing? Good. How you doing? All right, man. It's really great to hear your voice. God bless you. Can you talk regular, please? Hey, hey, man, we miss you. Yeah. We miss you. <laughs> we know who you are. Listen, you did so much pontificating, I didn't know who you was, man. <laughs> I, 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 listen, that was wonderful pontification, but talk to me. How you doing, man? How you been? Everything is good, man. Everything is good. I have a, uh, I have a question for you. Um, I, I happen to work in this senior citizen um, apartment complex. I'm one of the maintenance men. And... Um, Every Thursday, we get together and we have like a Bible study. It's really cool. Everybody comes from different churches and they, they um, you know, we, we do like, right now we're in Romans chapter 3, verse 15, and everybody got different Bibles and then, you know, we read a verse or two and then, we, you know, everybody express what they think the, the scripture, you know, is talking about. And at the end of the discussion, I'm the, I happen to be the only guy here. It's all senior citizens. And the number one thing they ask me and I hope you can give me an answer because, uh... <laughs> can, can you get to the question, sir? What they would actually ask me is, why aren't they able to get a man? You talking about the people in the, the Bible study? Yes. This is a senior building? Senior senior. Okay, so now, you... there's about 15 of them. Never been the no <laughs> Wait a minute, and so... So wait, 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 wait. So what you want me? You're asking pastor to answer the question: Why women and the senior citizens building don't have a husband, or they why they can't find a husband? I want to know why? How can they get a husband? Do they pray for that was the question. <laughs> why they actually why they they're getting married? Yeah, so okay. So what you're saying is that they're in a senior citizen home, senior citizens home, and they question why they they can't find a man. They're peers of things. For, for most of their lives, they said, you know, never had children, never been married. Oh, wow. And they want to know why they never got a chance oh, to be Why married. they never found a man. Is that the question? Yeah, and then, yes. I, they, you they, know. That, well, they made, they gave me the impression that God didn't want them to be married. Oh, and, I, and I told them, like, you know, I, I, I told them that, um, you know, maybe it was best for you not to be married. <laughs> <laughs> you, told, you told them they weren't married material? <laughs> No, they, they should not be addressing you with those kind of questions. You All right. have, wait a minute, he sent them back to their apartment. You, totally discouraged. Totally, totally discouraged. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we're going to try to answer that. All right, boss, we, I'm going to give you a call back. All right. Please. Hey, 
Tell uh, me when that Bible study is, Jerome. He said he's going he to come to Philly. Yeah. Oh, it's in Philly. Okay. Oh, it's in Philadelphia. Oh, my okay. God. The Fort Mary House. The Fort Mary House every Thursday at 6 o'clock. They had it right in the senior citizens' community room. And they still invite you? They still invite you, even though you told them that they aren't married material, marriage material. Well, that came after a few visits. As a matter of fact, the first time I came, they said, um, brother, can you uh, close with prayer? I was like, wow. Oh, okay. I just came to this one. He's going to call you back. Well, you know, and I, was, I was only male there, so I guess it was appropriate for me to close. But it was really good. It was really good. Everybody had different Bibles. All right, we'll, and, you know, they were giving their interpretation we'll of, uh, <laughs> of, you know, with the scripture at hand. And like I said, right now we have Romans chapter three. We're doing, um, you know, chapter three. All right, we're we're gonna call you back because we're gonna we're gonna close out. We're gonna call you back though. We're gonna try to answer the question. We're gonna call try to answer the question. All right. That's my that's my guy. Jesus, that's my guy. I ain't even gonna touch that. I don't think I'm gonna touch that. Okay, so so I have recently. Proclaimed to be petty. I've told everybody that I'm, I'm very petty. <laughs> you are. Petty. I am petty. They gave me a nickname, Mr. Mr. Petty. petty. The things that I've done. So, so, Pastor, are, are you petty? No, you're not petty. No. Interesting. So we we're on this mission to find out how you became petty. That's what we're going we're going to find that out. I'm petty just because because that's what really makes me what that's what makes me petty because I just say oh, I'm petty, petty just because yeah so. Um, let me see, the last petty thing I did. What did I do? I did something yesterday. You bought was a hoagie with meat on it, knowing that Pastor doesn't oh. eat it, so you could take it home. No, I didn't do that intentionally because <laughs> I knew that he had some type of dietary restrictions. I didn't know what it was. Uh-huh. So I actually got gumbo, so you can take gumbo too. So it's chicken gumbo as well. So I thought it was no bread, but then he said, no, it's no meat. And I said, well, that goes the whole hoagie idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's no meat. That's Not crazy. to mention, I just came off a 21 day fast. Oh, so, and so, so all that good? would have been what well, would have been heavy. Would yeah. have been too heavy for my system. Oh. Anyway, been too heavy. Even the bread would have been too heavy. I remember yeah. one day I was calling myself a vegetarian, and I was on that kick for at least a year. And I may had this wonderful idea to come off of it by eating McDonald's. Mm. Oh wow! Okay, I was in the bathroom for like four or five days. Oh, yep, that's it. <laughs> Laid over. Oh, that's it. McDonald's do that to you. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm, this week. I, I'm not a vegetarian for medicinal reasons. Mm-hmm. I, we were just on a fast 12 years ago, and I never went back to meat. And I wanted to see how my system would respond to no meat diet to a no meat diet, mm-hmm. and I haven't been back. I, I I did do something petty, so I've been playing like phone tag with a therapist who needs a recommendation. Mm-hmm. So I called last week. I called twice. And intentionally, I didn't return her call this week because I felt as though that you should have called me back when I called you. So that, was, that was petty. That, that's petty. Um, I did reach out to her today, so she was waiting for a recommendation. But again, I'm, I'm petty. <laughs> did, you, week. did you apologize and say, you know, I'm petty? No, I didn't tell her because then we probably would have had a session about, you know, being petty and stuff like that. So she's a licensed therapist, but um, like they've been calling me all week. Or are you going to call her? I'm just petty. No, I'm going to call her when I feel like calling her. She should have answered my call when I called. So um, that's the, the pettiness that I have. For mm. If I call you and you do not, and we talked about this. Mm-hmm. If, you, if I call you and you don't call me back, then when you call me, I'm just going to be petty enough not even answer the phone. <laughs> 
That's petty. I'm glad you told me. I'm glad you told me. I'm glad you warned me. I'm glad you warned me. That is awesome. So we're going to get ready to wrap this one up. Um, Any last words of wisdom, advice to anybody or anything um, to our listeners? I'll start with you, Pastor. Um, let's, Let's have the conversation. Let's work at it. Let's identify the things that we are in need of in our community so our communities don't come behind in anything. Mm. Let's continue Mm -hmm. to incorporate people in this conversation that's going to add Mm -hmm. to our knowledge and add to our ability to execute those things that will empower the people who are certainly in need of empowerment. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll say, like I say every week, parents, you have to talk and communicate with your kids. It's so important. It becomes almost life life and death when you can't have an honest conversation with your kids because they want to talk. They're just not comfortable and feel comfortable with you being able to listen. Hmm. So today's lesson, based off our conversation, is about recognizing what your gift is. I truly believe that everyone has a gift inside of them, that God has put something in them um, to to serve a purpose. I mean, we were built with all these molecules and all these intricate parts. We're here for a specific reason. Um, So our our duty is to figure out what that reason is and and to use it uh, for the benefit not only of yourself, but the benefit of everyone else that's around you and who you come in contact with. Um, So once you find your gift, it it becomes easy to live life and and you'll find your purpose and you'll, you'll feel You'll feel you'll feel one with everything, and it's a little less stressful. Um, a lot of you are probably having jobs right now and doing things that are just uncomfortable for you. And my question to you is, why do you continue to do this if this is not your calling and it's not what your gift is? Absolutely. Um, so your, op, your your objective at this point is to figure that out, what your gift is, and start using it um, for the positive. So on behalf of everyone here on the Empowerment Perspective Podcast, stay empowered. Yes.